the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and today I am joined once again by Rachel Tate Yator. Now, I always, I said it wrong, didn't I? Say your last <laughs> Not name. Not bad. Yator. Yator. I put the emphasis on the wrong part again, didn't I? <laughs> it's fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Yator. Yeah, uh, all right. So, Rachel, thank you for joining me again today. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for allowing me to be part of this. I'm happy to talk with our church members, even though we don't get to hear them talking back immediately. That's right. So we are, we are doing this today. Uh, Jason usually joins us in some form or fashion. Jason is, is not with us today. The school year has started back up for him. If you listened to our podcast last week, you, you heard him talk about that. And, and so Jason has been doing just a ton of work in editing the audio for these podcasts in addition to participating in, in kind of the content of them. And so today's will be a little different in that not only is Jason not here on it with us, but he's not going to be able to do the traditional kind of audio work that he's been able to do on these in the past. So if you notice a noticeable uh, difference in quality in today's podcast, then that can just give you more appreciation for the work that Jason does <laughs> on a weekly. Yay, Jason. Thank That's you for right. making us sound good. <laughs> Jason's been doing uh, great work for us and spending a lot of time and effort helping, uh, helping these podcasts to, to have great audio quality. So we're appreciative of that and uh, plan for that to return next week. So in the meantime, Rachel and I are just going to have a conversation today with without some of that and hopefully it'll still sound okay and, and you'll be able to to make your way through it for all of you who are who are listening uh for our conversation today uh if for those of you who were able to participate or or watch our worship service from from this weekend rachel uh presented our lesson and, and preached for us uh for that worship service. And as part of that service, she kind of got me to thinking about greetings from Paul's letters. And so we're going to kind of continue some of that conversation, I guess, in a way today and, and expand that out and think about some of the other greetings that we see across Paul's letters, compare some of those and, and just kind of see where we can go with conversation about that and, and what we find in some of the different greetings of Paul's letters and then what we can kind of take as, as a whole from that. So that's gonna kind of be the scope of our conversation today. And so before we get into it, I do kind of want to mention, we could, we could do a really deep, uh, thoroughly researched dive on this conversation, I think, and we could get into uh, sort of questions of authorship of some of the Pauline epistles and why some people think some of these may have been written by other people that's going to kind of be beyond the scope of our conversation for today. We could get into things like timeline of his letters and how do we see things, uh, how do we see Paul maybe present things differently towards the end of his ministry as opposed to the beginning. We could go mm -hmm. all kinds of different directions with this, but today it's really going to kind of be more observational, just kind of looking, looking at the, the introduction to these epistles as they are. Um, and, and so we just want to kind of recognize up front, there's a lot that we could do here that for the purposes of our conversation, we're just going to kind of leave out. So we're taking um, basically the, the, the 13 epistles. We're also, uh, at least in my mind, leaving out Hebrews because there's, of course, 
Uh, I don't consider that a Pauline epistle. Some would consider Paul to have written that, but even if you consider Paul to have written that, the introduction is just very different than any of the other Pauline epistles. So we're not, we're not including that in, in our discussion for today either. Uh, so Rachel, you ready to jump into this? Let's get into it. All right. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see if it goes anywhere. And as Jason and I have often <laughs> said, if no one else finds it interesting, we enjoy doing it. So, <laughs> so, so we'll do that again today. All right. So Rachel, as you looked over some of the other Pauline epistles and the introductions, I know you spent a lot of time thinking about um, Ephesians for, for your lesson for last week. But as you've had maybe a little time now to look at some of the other introductions and, and greetings to some of these letters, did anything stand out to you or, or didn't it, it, did any of the other letters kind of particularly stand out and, and catch your attention as you looked over some of the other greetings? I think Romans stood out to me because it has most theological content in its greeting. So I would consider the first seven verses of Romans to be that greeting. And he plays his hand a lot more in Romans of the content that he's actually going to get into in the body of the letter. And it seems like Paul is so excited and so emphatic about the points that he wants to make. He just can't even wait <laughs> um, before he, he gives the grace and peace that he gives in every greeting. He goes ahead and talks about the seed of David and separated to the gospel of God and how the promises of Christ are fulfilled, uh, the promises that were made earlier in scripture. So I think Romans definitely stands out as Paul just giving a lot of meat there. Um, and some of the greetings are actually pretty similar to Ephesians as well. I think Ephesians was a good kind of snapshot or an example of the content that he would normally give. Um, even Titus is a little different. He talks about God who cannot lie, um, and he talks about the hope of eternal life. And so maybe as Paul is nearing the end of his life, that concern of what's going to happen to him when he finishes his service to the Lord. Um, so some of the different concerns of Paul come through there, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That was, you know, as I said, I kind of had this, this thought for us to talk about this today after your sermon yesterday and thought, you know, maybe, maybe it would be worth looking at the different ways that Paul um, greets his readers across the different letters, but they are remarkably similar once you start looking at them, almost right. as if mm -hmm. Paul's got this like template on his, <laughs> on his laptop that, <laughs> that he just kind of modifies for, for each yeah. letter. And, and so that, that is interesting in and of itself with how similar they are. Mm -hmm. But I think it also, it does cause those ones that are different to stand out, mm -hmm. I think. And, That's true. And so Romans was, was one that I kind of had noticed as well. Because, yeah, you're right. That, uh, you know, if, if you look across them, it's interesting. Paul uses that phrase, you know, grace and peace to you. Mm -hmm. um, that phrase, grace and peace, is used in the greetings of all of his epistles. The only one that's different, or the only two that are different, are First and Second Timothy, where he says grace, mm. mercy, and peace. Right. And all the rest yeah. of it is grace and peace. And it's usually very close to the beginning of the letter. But yeah, in mm -hmm. Romans, he goes through this long kind of, it's verse 7 before he gets to the grace and peace thing. Mm -hmm. and it's this theologically full introduction before that which should probably give us some insight into 
into the uh, the depth and scope of the rest of the letter where he's going to be uh, confusing at times, almost seeming to talk <laughs> circles at times. Um, yeah. He gets into some stuff. And yeah, so it's, it's maybe not too surprising that he just jumps into it there in Romans. So that was mm-hmm. certainly one that, that stood out to me as well. Um, there were really two that I was thinking of going into this that I kind of had in mind as, as kind of different ones. Yeah, what are those? And those were, one of them is Galatians. Yeah, I was going to talk about that one too. Yeah, in, in Galatians, he, he starts out somewhat similarly. Uh, you know, Paul, an apostle, uh, sent, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Christ Jesus and God the Father who raised him from the dead, which is slightly different from how he describes himself in other words. He, he often refers to himself as called or, you know, an apostle of the gospel, whatever. But in that one, he seems to specifically say, hey, I was not sent by a man, but by Jesus yes. and God. Mm. It seems to be important for where he's going, because then he does the typical to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you, all that stuff. But then, you know, typically Paul then goes into like, uh, I thank my God for you in my prayers. You know, mm-hmm. I remember you often. This is what I'm praying for you. But in Galatians, he just jumps right into, I am astonished that you so quickly <laughs> deserting the God, the one. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just jumps into, all right, let's get to the point. I'm upset with yeah. you. And here it is. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I kind of had that in my mind about Galatians that, that that was my memory was that he just jumps into it pretty, pretty quickly. But what, what stood out to me going back and looking to looking back at it as we were preparing for this podcast and after your sermon yesterday was that the way that he sets himself up, that not only am I an apostle, but I haven't been sent by men. Like mm-hmm. he, he establishes his authority pretty clearly right at the right. And, and you can almost hear him setting up then for this, this pretty clear um, critique that he's giving of them right off the bat. And, mm-hmm. and you can feel the importance of him establishing his authority then right there at the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he wants to emphasize like this is not just a human letter but I have the authority from God to instruct you in the matters of holy living and in the way of following Jesus. Like apostle to Paul meant he was someone who personally encountered Christ, who had seen Christ. So he had that experience on the road. And I think to Paul, that is what gives him this authority that the voice of Christ said, I'll show you how much you have to suffer for me and I will use you as a messenger to the Gentiles. So I feel like he has to kind of give his credentials before he can tell the, lay down the correction, he has to say why he's authoritative to give it. Right, yeah. And he even says there then in the next verse or two, he says, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion. Mm. Which I think is, again, speaks to that idea of he wants to establish not only his authority, but this idea that like, look, I'm not coming to you as someone who's like coming with my own brand of what we're doing here. This is, yeah. this is from God. So, mm-hmm. so listen up, stop listening to the others, these other people who are just coming to you on their own and throwing you into confusion. Um, yeah. And, and I was reminded then looking at that of kind of why I think this is a, a relevant conversation for us. And we'll get into to some more mm-hmm. of in just a little bit, but just to, if, if anyone's kind of wondering, okay, why are we doing this? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think we see in across Paul's letters, 
the ways that his greetings set up what is to come and right and and maybe we do ourselves a dis- disservice if we just quickly move past those to get to the meat of what the letter is mm. and, wow. and we can we can learn a lot and and we we miss something if we just skip past those and and want to get get on to the the good stuff so to speak as i was choosing my text for the sermon i just kept having this sense that i needed to share a message from ephesians but i didn't know what from ephesians and so i just kept reading the letter i would read the whole thing over several times and i still didn't have a clear direction of what it was and then i felt like god just kind of arrested my eyes on the very beginning on this first verses and kind of alerted me to the fact that that is still his word like those first verses the greeting it's still scripture it's still the holy word of god and it is able to teach um, yeah. and to preach and so i feel like he was speaking to me like not to overlook any part of scripture even those greetings it's so easy just to pass over it and say let me get into the to the meat of the letter of the body but right. that even those beginning words are crucial and that god can speak to us and, and teach us through them yeah absolutely and I think especially for those of us who, who have been maybe Christians for a long time, and I, I've talked about this in other settings, that even I think we do that even with some stories, right? We come to a story and we're like, oh, I know oh. this one. You know, I'm just going to kind of skim this one. Um, and so, yeah, I think we do the same thing with, with the beginning of some of these letters. It's like, all right, well, let's, you know, this, this subheading, you know, is kind of set apart in my Bible. So I'll just skip down to where we yeah. get some of the other stuff. <laughs> Um, so it's a reminder, I think, yeah, to, to pay attention to some of those things. The other letter that I came in kind of having on my mind was Philemon, because Mm -hmm. I think Philemon is so unique in its purpose. Um, and, and so I noticed then going back and reading the beginning of that, one of the things that I found interesting is that, so in every other or in, in most of Paul's letters, at least, he begins with Paul, an apostle, um, mm-hmm. or one time he says, uh, or a couple of times he says, you know, servant and apostle. Uh, Philippians says servants, because uh, I think Philippians is, he's attributing that it's Paul and Timothy. So he says servants. Uh-huh. First Thessalonians, there's no kind of descriptor. It's just Paul, Silas, and Timothy. There's no kind of additional uh, descriptor or identifying marks. It's just those three names. Uh, so it, it's typically though some combination of apostle or servant. But right. in Philemon, he says Paul, a prisoner of Christ mm. Jesus. And and again, so so to kind of notice, yeah, he's kind of using this template in most of his letters. And so for him to to be so different in one, I think is interesting because he mentions in other letters that he's he's in chains for the gospel. But he starts right right out in Philemon saying, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he says, and Timothy, our brother, but then he says to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also Mm. to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. And then he says, Mm. peace to you from God, our father. And what I think is interesting about that is that 
like he's going to go on in this letter and we, we've talked about Philemon before here in, in the series that we did at, at some point, but like he's going to go on in this letter to ask Philemon to do something very specific mm-hmm. and, and something probably pretty countercultural. Yeah. And, and I think Paul is pretty intentional about how he addresses this letter because it's the only letter that is addressed to more than one individual like person. There mm-hmm. are others that are addressed to, you know, groups of people like, you know, to the church and to, you know, all the believers in this, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Paul does that intentionally here in Philemon to, to mention in addressing it to, to three specific people and to the church. Wow. It's a way of holding Philemon accountable. Um, mm. Because, you know, these letters are probably read out loud. They would come with, with someone who was going to read this letter out loud. And so, and so you, you, you would have all these people who the letter is addressed to come and hear the reading of this letter. And, and by addressing it to multiple people, I think it's a way of holding Philemon accountable that I'm going to ask mm. you to do this. And, and I'm addressing it to all these other people who are going to hear this letter read and they're going to know how I expect you to respond and they're going to see your response. So what wow. do you do with that? Um, and by the way, talk about pressure. <laughs> yeah. Like he's, and, and he does that throughout the letter. He puts pressure on Philemon and, mm. and by the way, I'm in prison. So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so Philemon is, is a fascinating book to me that, that, uh, for, for many years now has, uh, I've just found fascinating for several reasons. And so going back then, even just kind of last night and today and looking at the beginning of that and the ways that he, even in his greeting kind of, again, sets up where he's going to go and Mm -hmm. and the pressure that he's going to put on Philemon to do what he thinks Philemon needs to do. Uh, again, it comes through right right at the very beginning. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. So here's so those those are a few kind of those are those are a few introductions that that maybe kind of stood out to us. Um, and and again, I I think those are the other things that I noticed just about how consistent he was in referring to himself, either as an apostle or servant, and and that phrase then of grace and peace, and and how much that mm-hmm. comes up in those letters. Yeah. And here are a couple of other things that I, that I think may be good for us to maybe throw around and think about. Um, and we, we kind of got into this a little bit earlier, but are there other reasons that you think it's important for us to pay attention to the greetings or what can we take out of, out of these greetings and, and the introductions to Paul's letters? Well, I think it, it does show the, it does show his heart. And so when he's going to get into some correction, you already feel loved by Paul. Um, I was talking with one of my friends about this actually this morning, um, and we were talking about how it's important to bless someone before you convict them. So if you're ready to call out sin, you need to offer blessing beforehand. (laughs) Um, It kind of lays the foundation and provides a framework of trust um, to know that that person has your best interest at heart. And that I think what Paul is doing is he encourages before he corrects. And I think the grace and peace 
for Paul was like essential. He couldn't, he couldn't get to anything else, any correction or even any teaching, um, any doctrine before he gives the people grace and peace from God. And so I think it reminds us of his heart that he has the best interest of the church in mind and that he wants them to be like Christ and he's offering grace to them for where they have already failed and peace of Christ to restore them, especially when maybe there's broken relationships or like in Philippians, he addresses conflict between maybe two women that are having some issues in the church. And so he offers peace um, for those relationships to be reconciled and shows that the power is coming from Christ and not just from himself because he wants to be in control and he wants people to do what he says, but to show this is truly from the Lord um, and that's why these instructions are important. And so I think for us, reading those greetings, we should kind of hearken our ears to that as well. That everything we're about to read is not just a human being speaking these things, but that it's coming from the authority of God through his messenger, through an apostle. And so I think it's good even to maybe meditate on that and take some time to recognize before you read a letter or study that these are words from God uh, through a human personality and that might adjust our lens a little bit to focus even in the passages that are a little bit tricky like even the some of the murkiness of Romans it can help us to realize these are the words from God but through a human being who may have been frustrated at times, um, but he was offering grace and cared about the well-being of the churches and that they live up to their calling. Yeah. And I think, you know, even as you were talking and and kind of in thinking back um, through going through some of these introductions and greetings, you know, if you think through the letters, um, there, there's, there's quite a variety there of what Paul is doing and a variety, obviously, of, of circumstances. And, and, you know, in some, he's addressing what appear to be some pretty uh, toxic situations. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the church in Corinth seems to be dealing with, with a lot of stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and there's, there's just a lot of issues that Paul has to speak to there. Um, there's a couple of times where he's dealing with, with some personal criticism and uh and has to kind of defend himself pretty pretty forcefully a couple of times as he's going as he's going through it and then there are some that are of course you know it's kind of more pastoral and somewhere he's more encouraging and somewhere uh it seems like everything's going well and paul is just kind of trying to to offer a word of encouragement so to speak and and those are kind of very different conversations that you have to have with people and, and yet in all of those circumstances, he's beginning with this phrase of, of grace and peace. Mm-hmm. And, and I think about, you know, the ways that, that you know, sometimes if, if we can anticipate a conflict or confrontation, how much that, that impacts the way in which we come into the conversation or, or our attitude or our energy or, or the things that we, we are bringing to that conversation. Um, and, and maybe there's some encouragement there for us to, uh, you know, what if, if I come with a purposeful intention to, to speak and bring grace and peace into my interactions, uh, 
Mm. How does that affect the way that I approach that person and, and that interaction instead of coming, you know, trying to win or trying to, right. to prove my point or, or whatever it is, if I'm speaking those things into the conversation first, does that, does that help how I approach that, that situation? Mm. Yeah, I think that could actually even transform our, our personal character, that we could become people of peace that set the tone for those conversations, whether it's a conversation of encouragement or correction or teaching. Um, so I think that that's something that Paul can teach us is how to set the tone <laughs> for any interaction you have with people. And so let it be based on grace and peace and mercy and also being secure in your own identity. I think that that is something Paul is super strong in. He knows who he is. He knows what he's called for. He's not wavering on it and nobody can judge him or second guess him. So I feel like as people of faith, we can come into any situation being secure in our identity in Christ, that we are called as saints for a purpose in that time and situation, and then having confidence in our Savior and who he is. I feel like those are some of the main things he lays out in his greetings. Yeah, yeah. Even if you just took those things and said, yeah, in all of my interactions, I'm going to be confident in who God has called me to be and who he, he has equipped me to be. I'm going to be confident mm -hmm. in my purpose and, and I'm going to speak grace and peace into the situation. Like if you could just yeah. do those things, um, <laughs> uh, that would, that would be pretty, that would be pretty incredible. And you just working on those things alone could, uh, could take us a while. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that that's so good. Just, yeah. Just those alone. Yeah. That that's, that's a lifetime of, of work for, <laughs> for all of us to, to be considering. And it reminds me of when Jesus went to wash the disciples' feet. This is veering away from Paul's letters, but it, it says, John says, knowing who he was, knowing he came from the Father and was going to the Father, he got up and washed the disciples' feet. So I feel like Jesus is also that example mm. of being so secure in his identity that he's able to enter into any situation humbly um, and to show love to others, even in what could have been uncomfortable or cross-cultural because he knew who he was. So I think Paul's greetings are really laying that down of I'm secure in who I am, what I'm called for, what God has called me to be, and therefore I'm able to fulfill this ministry of teaching you, encouraging you, and correcting you. That's good. That's a good connection to Jesus. Yeah, I hadn't, yeah, that's good. Because I do think, I mean, how many of the things that we how many of the mistakes that we make or the things that we wish we'd have handled differently, you know, how many of those could we tie to kind of our own insecurities, right? Mm -hmm. um, or, or our own, yeah, just, just that insecurities and, and just how, how confidence in, in who, who God has called us to be could, could transform a lot of those things. Absolutely. Amen. Uh, the, the other thing that I kind of thought, as far as, okay, so what, what do we take from these? The other thing that I found myself kind of being reminded of is, is just this reminder that these are, these are letters. Um, they're letters to specific people in specific places with specific points that, that Paul is making in a specific time. And mm -hmm. 
and, and for me, that's important as we read through these things, because yes, as you said earlier, these are, these are words, you know, from God through this apostle, servant, prisoner, Paul, but he's also writing them to specific people about very specific things. And, and I think we have to remember that as, as we read these letters. And I think that context is helpful, at least it is for me. And I think it's helpful for how we read scripture and, and approach scripture to remember the, the personal nature of them and the idea mm-hmm. that yeah, these are things that, that aren't necessarily just kind of blanket statements. <laughs> yeah. We have to consider that. We have to consider the time in which they're written and, and the purpose of them. And, and to me, uh, not skipping past those greetings helps, helps us to do that. And, and is a reminder mm. that, yeah, this is from Paul to these specific people. Here's what he's trying to speak into the situation as he gets into the rest of the rest of what he's talking about. Yeah, that's so true because I think almost every greeting, he's going to say the name of the city. He kind of places it geographically to who he's actually writing to. The one that stands out is first Corinthians. He adds, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so for uh, first Corinthians, he kind of expands that to like, this is kind of for everybody, but most of the letters, he's going to give a specific geographical location. And this is for a particular people at a particular point in time. So yeah, that is important to, to think through as we consider how do we apply what Paul is saying? Is it kind of blanket for like everything for us in the church in my life? Or right. um, are there considerations to be made for time and culture? Right. Yeah. And, and he focuses on the gospel, you know, in, in so many of those introductions. Um, and and I, I, I do think, I think that's our challenge is, is to, to be people who are, you know, so disconnected from the context that Paul is writing in terms of geography and, and time to say, okay, so yeah, so how do we take these things, but also how do we let the gospel speak to our current setting? What is, what does the gospel look like in, you know, in, in Temple, Texas in, in 2020 and how are we shaped and formed by that? And, and to Paul's words, you know, that I referenced earlier in, in Galatians, not, not thrown into confusion by, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. by, by others. Um, and, and I think that's a challenge. And I think though, it's one that, that Paul would have us to, to engage and to think about seriously, because he, he seems to care about that idea of, of how is the gospel played out amongst all these specific groups, right? Mm. And I think you see that even in some of the letters that we've referenced so far that, that in Romans, when he starts out, you know, yeah, as you said, he starts out with this theo- theologically packed, you know, introduction, but where he, he already gets into this idea of where he says, you know, through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience. And so already he's getting to this idea of, hey, here's what this means for, for all of you. And here's what I want you to be doing. And and the mm-hmm. same thing in Philemon. Philemon is a very specific, you know, letter for a very specific purpose. And, and I think in each of the letters, you, you could kind of have this connective thread of, um, you know, how is the gospel going to play out in your specific context? 
And, mm. and I'm, I, you know, I've become more convinced over time that, that I just don't think Paul would say there's, there's one specific answer that you could give for the question of, of what does the gospel look like in your midst, that it would have mm-hmm. to be contextual. It would have to be discerned. Um, it would, you, that, you, that the people there would have to invite the Holy Spirit into that conversation and, mm-hmm. and, and to discern what that looks like for that group of people in that specific time, in that specific place. I guess it is interesting that he wrote letters to specific churches at different points in, in time. He didn't just say, hey, by the way, refer to First Thessalonians, everybody. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> I wrote one letter, like, it's enough <laughs> yeah. to all the churches. So he continued because there were more issues to be addressed and more teaching um, to articulate. And so it is interesting that there were multiple letters, like, and to different places. Right, yeah, including some that we don't have. Uh, right. At least don't have in, in our kind of canon uh, Bible that, you know, even, even in, in um, his letters to the Corinthians, he references at least one other Another letter, letter. That, uh-huh. yeah, that, that, that we don't have. And, and I, I've mentioned before that, you know, there's this verse in 1 Timothy where Paul goes through some stuff and then basically tells Timothy, you know, kind of think and pray on these things and, and the Holy Spirit will give you insight into them. And so mm. it's, it's, uh, that, that's become a, a very meaningful verse for me because it's like, you know, mm. it's almost as if, if there was one specific thing Paul was wanting Timothy to get, you know, why wouldn't he have just told him that? And that it seems more important <laughs> for Paul that Timothy kind of take these things and spend time with the Spirit thinking through what is the spirit leading me to take from this and, and to live out here where I'm at. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's so important for us as, as we consider what the gospel looks like as we're trying to live it out in grace and peace in our current setting. Yeah. And there's the community aspect too, that most of these letters were addressed communally to a church or to all the saints um, or even with the intention of being circulated amongst many churches. And so even though the letters to Timothy were addressed to him, I think Paul has the assumption of whatever these matters are, you're going to weigh it together with the community of believers alongside the Holy Spirit. There will be others who are discerning. And so I think it's, it's helpful to us to, to real, like not to read the letter maybe just specifically to me, um, but to picture this as part of a community of believers that they were all helping each other to live out and to understand his teachings. Yeah, absolutely. I like that, that there's this kind of assumed communal aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've heard some people, you know, say that even about things like the Lord's prayer or something, you know, that part of the beauty of the Lord's prayer is that I'm not praying. Our father. Yeah. I'm not praying my father in heaven. I'm praying mm-hmm. our father in heaven. Yeah, that it's, there's, there's a communal aspect of it. Absolutely. That's good. Uh, there was one other thing. Um, and then if you've got any kind of final thoughts on things that you noticed in here, uh, Rachel, you, you can throw those in before we wrap up. But, you know, as I was looking through these greetings, like I said, there were some things that kind of stood out to me or, or maybe that I read a little differently, kind of coming through them with this perspective. But as I was reading the beginning of 1 Corinthians, this was the one thing that I don't know that I, I don't remember ever reading this before. Um, 
but he starts first Corinthians saying, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. I read that and I thought, I don't know that I've ever uh, read that, that he attributes the authorship of first Corinthians to more than himself that we read about, uh-huh. you know, I've known about the other ones that are, you know, Paul and Timothy or Paul Silas and Timothy. Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember even reading or hearing that there is another name mentioned at the beginning mm-hmm. of first Corinthians must much less such, such an obscure name. <laughs> like it's not one of yeah. the big, it's not Barnabas, Silas, Timothy, Luke, like it's, it's so themes. Um, mm-hmm. And so I did just a little bit of looking at that this morning before we started. And there is a Sosthenes that's mentioned in Corinth in, in Acts. He's the ruler mm-hmm. of the synagogue. And some people think it's the same guy. Some people think it's different. And there's, again, all kinds of theories about who that actually is. And um, apparently that was a fairly common name at the time. So could have, mm. could have been two different people, could have been the same but I don't really have much else there. I just thought it was interesting as I was reading that, that, oh, wait, I don't know that I've ever noticed that name before. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to the communal aspect again, that there were so many people that were contributing to the ministry that Paul was doing. I think a lot of times we kind of imagine Paul preaching and writing all alone, but uh, we see in Acts, there's a lot of our, our, and we did this, and um, from Paul's introductions it, it reminds us sometimes oh yeah <laughs> he had ministry companions and he was part of a community of believers and it also reminds me that there are so many faithful saints that we don't know the names of like there mm. are probably millions of people even in the early church that are not mentioned by name in scripture and so the great cloud of witnesses is infinitely bigger than what we imagine in the names because <laughs> he just kind of casually put this guy Sosthenes in there and we don't really know much about him and so I think that means that there are multiple others if not thousands of others of partners um, that Paul and his partners knew just like this expanding circle of ministry associates and we're part of something a lot bigger than we realize. And even like, just think about the global church right now. It's easy for us to consider like only Temple, Texas or only the United States and what is the U.S. going through. But pastors and people are fighting for the gospel all over the world. Um, and just like a random name drop, it just reminds me of that, that there are so many faithful in Christ that we don't know the names of. Uh, and we're all in this together. Absolutely. That's Yeah. That's probably as good a place as any to to wrap up our conversation today, unless you've got, you have any other closing thoughts that you didn't get in today? I think that's good. There's just so much more we could dive into, but. <laughs> I think that's a good, that's a good closing thought for us. So we'll, we'll kind of, we'll end things there with that thought that I think is a good reminder for us. And so uh, it's been good to, to kick some of this around and um Maybe for those who, who have made it to this point in the podcast and are still listening uh, might want to go and just flip through some of the beginnings of those letters for yourself and, and notice uh, the differences and the similarities and, and maybe try to pick out what, what you see in there and, and what the Spirit may be leading you to, uh, to discern and, and look for as, as you go through that. And, and may we all be encouraged to, 
to live in and with grace and peace this week. Uh, so thanks for listening. For all those who are listening, thanks, Rachel, for, for joining me for this today and, and for your lesson yesterday and, and for all that you've, uh, you've contributed to our church already, even though you've still never been to Temple, Texas. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're excited to hopefully meet some people at Watch and Worship this Sunday, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to contribute even from a little distance. Yeah, well, spoiler alert, there's a little nugget at the end for those who made it this far. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Rachel, would you, would you uh, close us out in prayer for, for our yes. episode today? Our Father in heaven, we lift your name high. We thank you for your word and how it speaks to us. Forgive us for often assuming that we know more than we know, that we've understood more than we have. Humble us and help us to hear from each part of your word and to be open to how your spirit might speak. We pray over all of our brothers and sisters at the Vine, that you would encourage them, that you would cover them with your grace and your peace as they go about this week. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.